Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, joined as always by Mike Morton of Morton Financial Advice and the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs, a fantastic podcast, the Mike Morton Podcast. Mike, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. I like that you still have the flag up behind you there. Well, I'm feeling <laughs> for our video viewers now and always. Um, you know, right. it's, but where's, where did you put the kids' artwork? Where did that go? Don't tell me you put it in the in the drawer you know, of your desk. There's there's a story <laughs> to be had in this, and I'm going to go ahead and tell it real quick. Um, I have the same problem that a lot of parents have, which is you have treasured children's artwork. What do you do with it after a certain <laughs> amount of time? And I was introduced to an app. I won't even say the name of it because I don't want to get sued for libel. But, you know, people are like, oh, use this app. It's great. You just take a photo and it'll store it like a filing system and you have a digital version. Then you can throw out your kid's doodle. Well, I was obsessive and I read the fine print and it turns out that they get the intellectual property rights to whatever you <laughs> Holy submit smokes. with them, which is weird because it means like, well, what if your children's artwork includes like selfies or like, I don't know, like right. it's really good or it includes photos. Like they own all that stuff. I'm not worried that it's going to like That's end up on a bizarre. mug. It's like you no longer own this stuff and it can be used anywhere throughout the universe for commercial purposes or who knows what other purposes including you know they have rights to personal information about you the whole thing is weird so anyway how long so speaking of apps which we're talking about today but i'm curious how long was the um legalese document that you read through to get to that section what i did is i scanned (laughs) down to personal information um, oh, okay. which was like right. section four. So, you know, like I, I, I went to the good stuff. It wasn't like a situation yep. where the you signed the iTunes user agreement. You know, they did that South Park about that where it turns out that you've agreed to attach yourself to other human beings and become a human senti pad. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not what was going on with this. But still, it's just a good reminder as we get into this discussion about apps and tools to use, read the fine print. And I, I should say, so look, we're answering, a, a, this is part two of answering a listener question about, hey, Mike, what apps and tools and planning uh, devices and programs do you use or do you recommend or do your clients use to make financial planning and you know all of our financial management in our lives a little bit easier? This is actually a great upfront thing to say, which is just because we mentioned something, you shouldn't skip reading the fine print yourself. We're not suggesting that any yeah. of these things do cause you to sign away the rights to your kid's artwork or, you know, to have yourself attached to other human beings and become a human centipede. But you should always read the fine print on this stuff. All right. So listener question. Yeah. It's a great listener question about what you use. We, we've covered what you use for budgeting. Let's talk about investments. What do you use for investments? Yeah. So on the investments, and this is a this is a good one that you want to track over time. Now, some people get very obsessive of tracking their investments. You know, they might check, say, daily or hourly, <laughs> where my investments doing. Um, and then other people, you know, maybe check every five or 10 years. I just put the money away in my 401k. I must have made some choices about where it's going. Um, so I've had clients at both ends of those spectrums where it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I think I've got stuff in 401ks. <clears throat> I don't know. I haven't checked in quite a few years. Um, We're going to talk and then about I got people that. that in, the, talk. in our next episode, you're going to talk about that exact theme. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then I have people, you know, who, who want to talk stock market and stocks and movements and all that kind of stuff. So, but it is important to track over time. And we're not talking, um, today we're talking about the apps. I love tracking your net worth. 
over time. I like doing that once a year. I do that in a simple spreadsheet. So that's really easy. You just kind of like write down everything you own and everything you owe. I'm not going to get into net worth today. We'll talk about, but stick on the investment. So the reason you want to track it is just you'd like it to go up over time. <laughs> so that's good. Um, and you also want to see how you're adding to it. Um, and I like to also look at the diversification. That's the biggest reason that I'm tracking uh, for myself, my own investments. So what do I use? I actually use a spreadsheet all right, for tracking my own investments. So I love spreadsheets. I use them all the time. So it was pretty easy for me to build my own spreadsheet. Um, I have, I want to say, four, five, six different accounts between you know individual retirement accounts, 401ks, brokerage accounts, might be a couple more than that. And I list all the holdings for each of them in one spreadsheet. So each of those accounts, five or six accounts, might have five or six things. Um, and But they don't change that much over time. So once you build it, like copy and paste all the ticker symbols and everything. Um, and then it rolls up. For me, I just built a custom um, spreadsheet to capture the how much uh, how many I have, how many shares of different things, and roll that up into total account values in different asset classes. We've talked about asset classes yeah. here. Right. So while you have um, an ETF, you know, that's US large cap. And so it's like, oh, that's a US large cap and I have a ten thousand dollars in that, and that's you know, some some percent of my overall portfolio. So then what I'm looking at in the spreadsheet is the percent I have in each of those asset mm. classes. And that's what is important to me. And particularly, if you want to know exactly what I do, it's a spreadsheet. I check it at least quarterly, usually about quarterly, maybe once a month. Um, But quarterly, I'll go in and take a snapshot of it because it's updating in real time, the spreadsheet. And so every quarter, I go in and take a snapshot of exactly what values I have in all those different accounts and all that stuff um, and save that. So I can see quarter to quarter uh, my progress. Um, And that's what I do for my own investments. Well, that resonates for me because I do something kind of similar myself, although with a slightly different use case, which is I became concerned. And again, I I was was kind of being tongue in cheek, kind of not when I said we are going to talk about the topic of what if you have a lot of accounts? How many is too many? That that is a theme for an upcoming show, because I think for a lot of people nowadays, people hold an average of last time I checked this, it was eight jobs in your career. Many jobs have hmm. different kinds of benefits that go with them. You might have a 401k. You might have some kind of retirement. You might, I mean, if you're lucky enough, I mean, you focus, you're, a lot of your clientele are entrepreneurs. They might have stock options or incentives, you mm-hmm. know, and so you might have stock that vests at a certain point. So you might have far-flung accounts. The major, one of the major uses of keeping some kind of a tracker somewhere is so that if you get hit by a bus, your next of kin knows what you actually own and can and can benefit from it. Like, yep. I'm not saying I have a lot of money. We do not. Hey, thieves out there, it's not worth it. Believe me. <laughs> but I want my kids to get everything that we do have. And, you know, my spouse may not be aware of it. So anyway, that so a spreadsheet is a, is a good option. What if people are just, that's not their jam? Are, are, there, are there tools or like bank tools that are kind of prefabbed that are good? Yep. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple other options. But let me also mention, I love that you have that use case, but make sure, because usually it is one partner uh, that's keep, you know, keeping track of more of the finances right. and the other partners. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's your deal. You know? that we recommend. We're going to do an episode on that. I'm joking. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so so definitely. Yeah. 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 
um, that'll be the um, you know the Twitter the Twitter feed for this the, for this episode. Uh, I, I, I so. promise this episode will blow up if we tease online that it's like have multiple partners. Here's how you do your financial planning. <laughs> Here's how you do your financial planning. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Anyway, um, so I do agree. It's a great use case. You want to have everything written down, right, um, for the other person to find. Uh, but the other place for that really is going to be in your estate planning. So make sure in your estate documents, there should be like a cover page that has kind of your wishes, you know, in English you know, because the estate planning documents are usually a lot of legalese. So, and then also li- just list your accounts right there. You know, that's so helpful. And for anybody that's gone through estate planning or thinking about it, just make sure to list everything. Because trust me, um, if you're not around and someone's p- is your executor and picking up all the pieces, having a page or two just with some organizational information is going to oh make life gosh, way absolutely. better. Yes. Okay. So, right. So, so that's a good use case. All right, other tools. People that don't want to use spreadsheets. Come on, we don't yeah. want to use spreadsheets. Like, thanks, so for I agree. Nothing, <laughs> um, thanks for nothing. Yeah. So one I've used in the past is called Personal Capital, and I haven't checked them out recently. That was a while ago. Um, I know they've morphed a little bit, but I think um, it's still a pretty good platform for combining investment accounts from different institutions. So you got like a 401k over, you know, Fidelity and you got brokerage over at Schwab and you got something at Vanguard. Like you want to consolidate all that. That's kind of the point of, or one point I want to mention around tracking investments. It's not really individual investments. You can track that and follow that and do your own thing. Um, But really I'm talking about in aggregate, your entire kind of net worth portfolio. You want to get a good insight into that because I often find People are either over-aggressive, but usually they're under-aggressive. Usually there's cash kind of in four or five or six different accounts. you got your emergency fund of cash. You've got you know, some, you know, some short-term bonds or cash in your 401k and your brokerage. And you're like, geez, 20 30% of my portfolio is actually just cash. You know, and maybe that's too high for you. Um, <clears throat> so that's why you want to aggregate. Personal capital will do that. There's probably some other ones, but that's the only one that uh, I'm familiar yeah, with. Yeah, that's... You know, it is an interesting point just to circle back to what you were saying about the prime use case here being – by the way, use case is like a, a, a sort of more technical way of saying how do people use this. It's like what is it with programmers and engineers? It's like you got to – you think you're – you think hey, you're I love doctors those guys. and lawyers you, and you have to say everything in Latin <laughs> to make it sound more sophisticated. Anyway, <laughs> That's since, right. since one of the major ways that you might use a, a tool to track your overall investments is – you want to get a bird's eye view on what you've gotten. Again, I don't want this to sound all snooty like we all have so much money. It's just this applies to more people than it seems like. This isn't just for rich folks. The average person these days is going to have multiple accounts. You're going to have multiple financial accounts because you will have been in multiple jobs. Now, you may have had a lot of jobs that don't have any type of investment or or retirement benefit fine but you know chances are you've had at least more than one or you know you may have something you've set up yourself or you know you've got a house or you've got multiple accounts to track and i think what is really hard is trying to aggregate if you're just using let's say you've got your retirement assets in fidelity and they've got a nice interface you know you can you can get a lot of really good information 
but it's being served to you, first of all, through their interface and their kind of the way they categorize things. And second of all, you're just seeing one slice of the, of the overall picture. And so I, it does make sense to me that you would want some kind of a central place to just get a sense or to be able to give to your financial advisor, hey, here's what the whole picture looks like. What's the diversification? Right. What's the what's the overall kind of risk setup that you've got? And what is your overall net worth? Are you I mean, for for us personally, we had negative. We were worthless people um, for for a number of years. <laughs> Matt, you're Matt, you're well, not thanks, worthless. Um, <laughs> but from a financial standpoint, I assure you that we were worthless for many years because our net liabilities were higher than our net assets. So, you know, anyway, knowing that yep. and knowing if you ever tip the scale out of that status, that to me seems like a valuable enterprise. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, you know, you want to look at everything because it is important just, again, building awareness and understanding. And if you haven't done it for a few years or you've never done it and you got a partner and you got a couple of jobs, like, who knows? You know, you really don't have insight into those past 401ks? Are they aggressive? Are they not? Are they even invested? I've met so many people that are like, oh yeah, I put money into my individual retirement account. I think it's still in cash. <laughs> you know, this is like years later. Or is it a you know, managed so fund with high it's fees? Good to, is it right? <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. We talked all about that. So that's really important. So I will mention, and then on the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Fidelity, you know, using your brokerage account, Fidelity or Schwab, and kind of using that aggregator, they'll tell you, oh, are you on track for retirement? There's lots of good tools, you know, within there. But again, as Matt said, it's only showing you that slice. And that might be, if that's most of your net worth, then that's great. Use that tool. Fantastic. And that's one of the reasons you might want to look at consolidating. Um, but if it's not, if it's 50% of, of your stuff, because your 401k is somewhere else, then it's not really that helpful. You know, it's, it's not really giving any, any kind of accurate data. That's where these aggregators will be good. On the topic of consolidation, I'm sure we'll get to this in our future episode on do you have too many 401k accounts or too many accounts? You, there are good reasons for aggregating um, accounts. What I mean is transferring, like, oh, I've got an old 401k. Should I transfer that to my IRA at Fidelity because Fidelity has all my other accounts or should I transfer it to Schwab because that's where I do my banking. Um, there's good reasons to maybe do that. And this would be one of them is so that you can get most of your stuff all in one login um, so you can see and use the tools um, that right, that right. provider is giving sense. you. You know, I, I <laughs> it is funny you were mentioning, um, I was joking about being worthless, but it is an interesting question because it does change your financial picture. There are kind of now I'm going to sound like a like a dork. I mean there are sub use cases to knowing exactly what your overall net worth is. Maybe this is an episode we should do about about net worth, but you know, you could be in the position where you're you're going for a loan, you're going for a mortgage. You want to you need to have a, an eye on what what is that or the grim use case we were talking about a moment ago like, you know, if you got hit by a bus, are you what, what kind of a financial position is is your estate in? So there's just so many reasons yeah. why being able to keep track of that makes a ton of sense to me. And of course, the political one. I used to work for a member of Congress who heard from an economist. There's this idea of value add to goods, right? Like you you know you take a piece of lumber, you turn it into a piece of furniture. It's called value add. And in Europe, they actually tax. It's called a, a VAT, a value added tax. That's right. When you add value to something, 
And this economist was saying, like, well, through education, you can go through the same process with, with human capital. And he turned that into in political speeches to saying, what we need to do is add value to people. And it, it, it was at great pains that we tried to tactfully explain to him, what you've just said is that all your constituents are worthless and that what you need to do is add value to them. All right, I'm way off track. And then tax them. And then tax them. Tax, That'd be great. That's what the government does. <laughs> All right. Let's, you, you mentioned credit cards a minute ago. Let's, let's cover credit cards quickly. Any tools you use? Oh, sure. Yeah. Before, yeah. We, get, before we get credit cards, one thing I wanted to mention that I really like a tool uh, is called M1, M1 Finance. And I ran across this a, a couple years ago, M1. People can check it out. But what, what I like about it, it's, a, it's a kind of like a brokerage uh, where you can put money there into a retirement, like an individual retirement account or just a regular brokerage account. And what's what's cool about it and neat is using technology to, you know, make your own robo advisor oh. is basically what it is. So instead of like using a Wealthfront or Betterment and just their models, which you can pick, you know, some of the, some of the different models and kind of tweak them, you can 100% make your own and say, I want to invest, you know, this ten thousand dollars into these five stocks at these percentages, and then uh, it'll do that wow. just automatically, click of a button. So you can make your own portfolios. And the robot, M1 Finance, will update it. You know, when you add more money or subtract money, it'll automatically rebalance. And this is a, a pretty interesting one. I use it. Here's a use case. Use case. Speaking of, here's how I use M1 Finance um, for a kid's, you know, um, kid's money for the future. So I want to, you know, provide my kids with a um, little bit of cushion or something. Maybe they want a down payment for a house in, in 15 years. So I'm adding, you know, a few bucks a month into a portfolio that I've set up at M1 Finance. And every time those few bucks roll in there, it automatically, you know, rebalances, it buys whatever is low. Um, And I've set up a portfolio that's a long term portfolio for the far future. So I was able to tweak, you know, exactly which ETFs I wanted in there. And then as I add money to it, it automatically rebalances. Um, So there's that that's just a good tool. I found pretty interesting with technology as you know, Matt, I mean, everything is just moving lightning speed. Um, so that's a really good one that uh, I thought was using robots and computers in a really okay, interesting way. Cool. Um, all right, yeah, credit cards. All right. So credit cards, we talked about it a little bit. You definitely want to make sure you are paying off your credit card every month. Um, and so that's the important thing here. Uh, in particular, what do I use? I have, um, I'm not a credit card hacking person I do not like trying to you know find the the best deals and rotate my credit cards and, and try to get ones to um, and track the points it like drives me nuts uh, so I got a very simple one through fidelity I use fidelity for some of my accounts and so I got a simple like one and a half percent cash back that just goes straight into my fidelity account super easy uh, no problem so that's that's what I use for my main one of my main credit cards is fidelity and then my other credit card is through chase. Um, and I like their interface a lot and they have some good credit cards and that's actually my business credit card. Um, they usually run some pretty good promotional points. This one does cost money, so I don't necessarily recommend it. Um, but I think when I got it or it's got an annual fee, the chase card, I think I have the Sapphire chase Sapphire card. It's like a hundred bucks a year. So I don't really recommend that. You don't want to be paying for your credit card, but this one gave me sort of a thousand bucks when I signed up for it. So I was like, eh, I just kind of went for it for that one, getting the getting the, that rewards up front. Um, I am paying a fee now, so I want to be very cognizant of that, aware that I'm paying $100 a year 
you know, for the privilege of using that credit card. So I have to make sure the points or whatever is going to be good ongoing, or I might make a switch. But those are the two, those are the two in terms of credit cards that I personally use. So the apps, I'm going into Chase, I'm going into Fidelity, you know, and, and monitoring that. But really all I'm doing is making sure the auto pay is set and making sure I have enough money in my checking account that when the auto pay kicks in, that it's right. going to get paid. And, you, and that's, I, I think a lot of what was embedded in the listener question is, you know, is the interface easy? Does it make your, your planning easier to do? And it sounds like with both of those, yeah. it's yes, as long as you set up the, the auto pay, which is, which is easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the really important thing. Just make it whatever you set the auto pay. Now <clears throat> I did want to mention, um, on financial planning, because this is, you know, what I do with clients, of course, is we've, we've talked about budgeting, investment, you know, tracking investments, tracking your budget, you know, making sure you're paying off your credit card, um, looking at your net worth. Well, we combine all of that and try to predict the future, you know, because people want to know, am I doing the right things? Am I setting myself up for success five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now? Um, how should I be doing things? And so, we use financial planning software to predict that future and say like, well, on the, on the road you're currently on with your income and expenses and savings and investing, here's what it might look like, your, your value of your accounts at some point in the future. And so I use um, financial planning software. There's a bunch of them out there. I use right one called Capital. Right Capital. So people can look it up, but these are um, really geared towards financial advisors. All right, so financial advisors would use this platform to model the future with their clients, and then the clients can can see the reports or have access. I really like Right Capital because my clients can log in and play with play with scenarios themselves. What if I want to retire early? What if I spend a little bit less? What if I want to spend a little bit more? There's all kinds of dials and stuff. It makes it very easy for for them to go in. But I'm not aware in terms of that. I think there are some tools out there, but I just don't know. So maybe some listeners can tell us. Where you can do that kind of thing on your own, financial planning software, predicting, you know, income investments, expenses throughout time and see, you know, how likely are you to be able to retire I, the way you want to. I've used some of the online tools myself um, just to get a quick sketch of like, you know, if if I were to save 10 percent more, you know, given a bunch of assumptions, where would I be at? I've actually found those to be pretty useful for just ballparking. Not that they're necessarily right, but they just mm-hmm. you can plug in a lot of the basic assumptions of like social security, what what percent are you gonna earn every year on investments, you know, how how much income, what uh what uh level of uh spending should you expect in retirement. And it's not so much that I mean, obviously math is math, but it's not so much that each of those answers is precisely right. It's being able to compare the different scenarios that I find kind of useful. That's exactly right. You know, and I want to pause on that, Matt, because that's exactly it. It's comparing the different ideas of what you could do. And in our minds, we cannot pull all that together. Our brain cannot process all of those inputs and outputs and calculations and throughout time. So by looking at the software and changing a toggle, what if I want to retire four years earlier, how much less do I need to spend throughout retirement? Well, now you have sort of an answer to that question in a ballpark, you know, in a range, but like an answer that you can have fruitful conversations now in comparing, you know, should we do A or B? Um, It's it's giving you a framework. Sensitivities. Again, all kinds of assumptions in this, but 
you know, you have different things you could do. You could save a little bit more. You could, you know, uh, go for a higher paying job. But what does it mean in terms of your lifestyle? Well, you could figure out how sensitive is the model to those varying things. And it turns out, well, actually, if you save a little bit more, you have the, about the same impact as if you go for the job, but you don't want and, – and it helps you to make decisions like that. A lot of that stuff is available. You, you can Google it. Hey, we've got about 30 seconds. You had one more point that I found really valuable in here, which is everyone should have password protection these days. What do you recommend? Yeah, I think password protection is critical these days. I use 1Password the number one and then password. LastPass is good. There's other ones that are great as well. But it's critical going back to our estate planning and having partners and a family. Put I put everything into that password manager because, again, if something were to happen to me, then all of my account information and logins and everything are all in one place super, uh, for someone to be able to take helpful. over. It, it, it seems like a small point. It's really not nowadays. All right. Mike Morton, wow, we covered a lot of ground here. Great listener question. Thanks so much for running us through it. Thanks, Matt.